KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. I'm Aldon, KRCL's punk rock farmer, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. And thanks for plugging into your community with us tonight in the studio. All As always, and thank goodness, Laura <laughs> Jones is here. How you doing on this blustery, cold, cold, cold day? It's in my bones. I, yeah. I get, you get old, it goes right where you feel it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you look out at your garden this morning and go, I'm so sorry? Uh, well, I have one thing covered up under a thing and it's got this much snow on okay, top of Al's the bucket. Okay, showing me like what, a foot, foot and a half? Yeah, it's like a foot. Oh my gosh. Well, it's coming up on the show tonight. So uh, um, we... we we got a lot of cool stuff. We have um, uh, we have music as always. Racist Kramers with us, one of our faves around this time of year. They rear their head and uh-huh. they do their really great uh, friends miss, and it's all about giving back to the community and for domestic violence. And that is tomorrow a benefit for the Do- Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. Yep, and uh, Fawn Ruckert is with us from she's from Seagull Lily Flower Farm, uh-huh. and the flower farmers are putting together a conference this. This year. That's so exciting. we'll be doing a conference on January 28th and um, exciting stuff. They're moving, moving, moving forward and doing all kinds of great things. Got Skywatcher Leo T. It's our, fa- uh, it's our last live show for Punk Rock Farmer Friday, so stick around, folks. You for this wanna, year. For this year. Not our I, last I just, one. Did I frighten you? <laughs> I apologize. Now you're going to go again, right? Yes. You volunteer with us every Friday. Just about every Friday. You rarely miss one. Uh, we except don't to miss go out of town many. and play music, basically. Mm-hmm. Or go to Mexico and check out urban farmers there, right? You did that one year. Yeah, let's do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go with you this time, though. Okay. okay. Uh, Also, we have Calista Pearson here from Salt Lake County Animal Services. They have a really cool howling shindig coming up tomorrow as well. And I still think it's a great place to take your your pet and get a little photo on Santa's lap, help them raise some money. What do you think? I think it's cute. I think it's really (laughs) cool. I think, I, I, I don't know if I could get my cats to sit still for a minute. I don't know if cats qualify. We'll ask <laughs> Calista in a minute. But let's go over to our sound studio. And I want to say thank you to Rowan Stigner and also Darian Eastman doing a audio for us tonight. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here along with racist Kramer. Al, should we get the band to introduce themselves first? Yeah, why don't you guys go around the horn and introduce yourselves? That's James. I'm James. <laughs> <laughs> Who you are, which play? Uh, uh, James Peterson, I play bass, guitar. Uh, Grace and Roy Lance, I uh, play guitar. Back there in the uh, bomb shelters, Jared Cheech McKay on drums. He doesn't get a microphone. It's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm CJ Coop, and I sing and play guitar. CJ. So this whole thing again tomorrow, how many years you been doing Friends Miss Eve? Uh, if I had to guess, 10. This is our 10th. I, well, I think this is the 11th event, but it's the 12th year minus COVID, 2020. So our math is all messed up, isn't it? Yeah. Some of those <laughs> years are pretty shoddy for us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what I always love about uh, Racist Kramer is what you say brought you together and keeps you together. Fast, loud, punk rock. <laughs> yep. That sounds like something we'd say. <laughs> it was on a shirt. <laughs> Cool. So what are you guys going to play? Uh, looks like it's Blind from Face to Face. You guys are doing right. some cover songs tomorrow night. Yeah, it's all about and cover songs. And you're going to don us with a couple of those tonight and maybe play it. one of your own. You got it. So this is Racist Kramer, fresh and homegrown, right here at KRCL 90.9 FM with Blind from Face to Face. What if I'm right here wrong? What if you knew it all along? What if I figured out that I did not belong? What if it all started me? What if I never did
Skywatcher Leo T here. As we look up, we can see Mars in the east just past opposition, which means Earth is between Mars and the Sun for some very good viewing, and remains bright as it aligns between Orange Aldebaran and Big White Capella. Jupiter shines highest after dusk with its moons. The Little Pleiades Cluster, or the Seven Sisters, shines high in the southeast after dark. Upper right of Mars by about a fist at an arm's length. Check the chart on the Skywatcher Facebook page. It's pretty cool. Splashdown. NASA's Artemis 1 Orion capsule lands in the Pacific. Orion landed safely off the coast of Mexico's Baja Peninsula on Sunday, December 11th. The first mission of NASA's Artemis moon rocket is in the books. The uncrewed Orion capsule splashed down in the Pacific on the afternoon of December 11th, bringing a successful end to NASA's Artemis 1 moon flight. Splashdown happened 50 years to the day of NASA's Apollo 17 moon landing. That's the last astronautic mission to touch down on the lunar surface. From Tranquility Base to Taurus Lithro to the tranquil waters of the Pacific, the latest chapter of NASA's Journey to the Moon comes to a close, said NASA spokesman Rob Navius during the agency's broadcast on Sunday. Tranquility Base and Taurus Lithro were the landing sites of Apollo 11 and Apollo 17, respectively, the first and the final Apollo moon landing mission. And since we're in the area, let's take a look at Apollo 17. It was the last mission of NASA's Apollo program, the last time humans set foot on the moon or traveled beyond low Earth orbit. A little more than three years after Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon, they took mankind's first steps on the moon, Apollo 17, left the last footprints on the lunar surface in December of 1972. Described by NASA as the last, longest, and most successful demand lunar landing missions. Apollo 17 yielded significant scientific studies and produced one of the most famous images in history of planet Earth. The Apollo 17 crew of Commander Eugene Cernan, Command Module Pilot Ronald Evans, and Lunar Module Pilot Harrison, or Jack Schmidt, a geologist and astronaut, Four days after Apollo 17's launch, Evans orbited the moon as Schmidt and Cernan landed the lunar module Challenger in the narrow Taurus littoral Valley, which is deeper than the Grand Canyon, marked the easternmost landing site of any Apollo mission. Schmidt and Cernan, a veteran astronaut who had flown aboard Gemini 9 and Apollo 10, spent seven-hour stints on three consecutive days exploring the surrounding craters, boulders, and mountains below a half-Earth hanging in the black sky. They assembled a science station to relay data, took gravity measurements, chipped fragments off ancient boulders, and collected subsurface core samples. During the second moonwalk, the astronauts were exploring the rim of Shorty Crater when Schmidt discovered orange soil. That's right, orange on the moon. It goes with the green. Samples collected by the astronauts from the crater rim were found to be composed of volcanic glass formed during a volcanic explosion. The samples tell us that the volcanic material originated from the moon and not from meteorite impact. This discovery is a pretty big deal. It's, uh, to some, the most important of the entire Apollo program. Congratulations, everybody. And let's take the Skywatcher spaceship out a little further to Mars in the neighborhood. NASA's Perseverance Mars rover has begun exploring an area called Yori Pass near the base of Jezero Crater's ancient river delta. They've been eager to explore that region with a tantalizing feature, which is sandstone combined of fine grains that have been carried from elsewhere by water before settling and forming stone. Next, Perseverance will drive 745 feet to the southeast to a big sand ripple in the middle of a small dune field. The ripple is called Observatory Mountain by the science team and will be where the rover collects its first samples of regolith or crushed rock and dust in the area. Soak it up and look around, look up and get a little bit lost in the desert and in space. Skywatcher Leo T here on KRCL. Thank you, Leo T, a volunteer here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Check tonight's show notes and you can follow Leo T on Facebook and get all his space news and his sources. Maybe have a conversation and suggest a constellation or a cultural story you'd like to explore through the sky. I'm Laura Jones. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Aldine Strict Nine in the studio. And before we get back to Reese's Kramer or the Urban Farm Report or a special fruit fruit tree trip that our friends at CityCast Salt Lake sent, we have a very cool event to talk about. Home for the Howlidays Shindig. It's tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 2 with Salt Lake County Animal Services. And Calista Pearson is here. Hi. Hi. Um, you don't have to have a dog in order to come to the event. We can help you get a dog ah, once you're there. And so. then you can have the photo taken with Santa Paws. There, there are dogs available. Or there visit. are plenty of dogs. How many dogs? I would say there's about 30 dogs. Wow. We are really full. Um, very unusual this time of year. Usually the shelter is not this busy, but 
all of our adoption rows are full. We have adoptable dogs that are not even available to be seen because we have so many and it's we can't just let people wander all over the all shelter. Over the so, what kind of dogs? Uh, we range right now from pitties, obviously. We always have the bully breeds, um, but we've been having a lot of the poodle, doodly pup, puppies really? coming in. Um, so mm. I just wanted to tell people just remember to look at the local shelters and rescues because we have had so many dogs coming in that are dogs that are highly adoptable that for some reason they are abandoned and you know that's yeah. just it's unfortunate so but look on the bright side you can find the, your love match at an <laughs> animal shelter or a rescue and there's great things to use like petfinder.com and they can tell you when you know those kinds of breeds pop up at the shelters as well so and it is christmas and what a better gift than a nice furry little puppy <laughs> do you disagree no, don't do it <laughs> um but yeah is that how you get them back by easter we actually will get start seeing uh puppies coming in we call them the christmas dogs coming in in january and february Aww. because all the christmas you know regret. didn't work out pup puppies are so cute and sweet you know and then you're you're home with them for those two weeks and then the moment you're you know go back to work you have to you know pu puppy train them so yeah. it's it's it, it always happens at anywhere so it's totally normal but tomorrow's event is going to be really fun uh we will have santa paws there and you will just bring your phone and you can have your photo taken with your phone with your pup and we will have also like a craft making station. We are planning on doing um, dog tags, quote unquote, for you. Uh, there will be a dog treat decorating station. So decorating some dog cookies for your dog. And if you don't have a dog and you come, you can decorate it. And I mean, everything is edible. You could eat it <laughs> or you could give it to us and we can hand it out to the shelter dogs. To the shelter dogs. Yeah. So there's that. We also have cats we'll have more kittens rolling in especially after the beginning of the year um there's just there's a lot there and there are some partners that have put together some adoption oh baskets. my goodness we are so thankful to some of our community partners workday has put together these adoption baskets for tomorrow that every pet that's adopted tomorrow should be getting one there's one for cats and there's one for dogs so oh, wow. every cat and every dog getting adopted tomorrow will have this awesome basket full of cool toys and fun things for them to have when they get yeah. to their new home. Well, Calista, Al and I, you probably heard us complaining about how cold it is. What does that do to the paws of our cats and dogs? Um, especially to your dogs. Well, cats usually are like, if it's cold, they're like, nah, I'm not going outside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to sit yeah. in your favorite spot. Yeah, they'll just sit there. Um, but dogs, just to remind people, you know, if, especially with those longer haired dogs or the coarse like terrier fur i have a small dog he has that terrier fur and it collects on him those little snowballs i just popped some of those one of those um waxes that are meant for dogs for their paws i tried it out today it worked so I what was is like, it what does it do it just is kind of like a barrier so the snow wasn't sticking to him in those little bollies that you get yeah. on their paws so you can either try the wax or you can use um like a bowl of warm water to leave by the door and dip their paws in it but they don't recommend pulling those little snowballs off their fur because that really hurts. Uh, think of if you have some mislaid wax on your arm or your leg and you rip it <laughs> off. Is it like that? Um, Worse? I would imagine, yeah, because it yeah. kind of pulls their fur. I'm, I mean, I've seen it with my small dog. It's like it collects and it just is like pulling on his fur and then he yeah. tries to bite it off and I felt so bad. And I was like, I bought one of those waxes and I was like, Ugh. This is what I do there now before go. I go for a walk. It's just one mm. little more step. And mindful this time of year when it is this cold, how, what kind of time should we limit our walks to or our outdoor visits? You know, it depends on your dog and everything. And also it, your neighborhood, if they, people heavily salt in your neighborhood, when you get home, take like a damp cloth and wipe off their paws because that salt really can, you know, irritate it's, their feet it's corrosive it it, it yeah. does not do great things to the cement i can imagine what it does to their paws yeah well and then they're gonna lick it off right yeah and some dogs it does upset their tummies especially small dogs um bit larger dogs but the, my dogs will lick their paws all the time anyways but i try to wipe off their paws when we come home from a dog walk 
Well, so one more time, let's remind folks, tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., where is Howell for the Holidays Shindig with Salt Lake County Animal Services? It is at 511 West, 3900 South in Salt Lake City, and we are so excited, and we hope people come down and find a furry family member for themselves this holiday. This is tomorrow, Saturday, December 17th, folks. And what's the website where folks can check out some of the pets? Um, AdoptUtahPets.org, and there are so many there, you're just going to keep scrolling and scrolling and there's a lot of dogs. Well, you and I have <laughs> spoken in the past about maybe doing a dog of the week or the month. Mm-hmm. I think that 2023 is the year we should do it. How about it? The year of the dog. The year of the dog. I can do that. <laughs> Thanks, Calista. Thank always, you. always appreciate you coming in and everything that you and everyone does with Salt Lake County Animal Services for our feline and canine and all the animals that you help. Thank you so much. All right. So Calista's taken off, but we have... Uh, a warm treat from our friends at CityCast Salt Lake, Al. M. Means, who used to be with Radioactive, is over there now and said, hey, this is a great little trip we took up to uh, Taggy's Fruit Stand earlier in the summer, and we've been holding it for just such an occasion. So host Ali Vallarta and lead producer Emily Means, they head north in this clip to talk with Thane Taggy of Taggy's Famous Fruit and Vegetable Farm about saving water while growing the delicious produce, produce that we buy at the farmer's market. So check it out, and we'll talk about it on the other side, Al, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Before we get into Water Talk, please enjoy a glimpse of our morning with Thane Taggy. He is a real peach boss. Okay, here we go. This is a sales call. <laughs> Taggy's fruit. Taggy's fruit. Fruit. Hi. Hi. I'm looking for peaches. We just started picking our first freestone, Sierra Gems. Now, you don't want to can these. You just kind of want to eat them or freeze them. They're really good peaches are always on peach days or around Labor Day. Are those raspberries down there? These yeah. are all blackberries. They're blackberries. We've been picking for three weeks. We've picked a ton, you guys. We put them all in our CSA boxes do, this do last round. Do blackberries turn black? Yes, totally, <laughs> totally black. Do you see oh, that? I see, I see. I think you need to go grab that one right <gasps> yeah, well, there. Yeah, you think so? And look over there a little higher. There's a few more. Make sure it's all solid black, no red on it. Dane, That's if these thing. aren't juicy, we're getting out of this car. Dang. Okay, they're amazing. Okay, now now here's the thing. I feel like I just hydrated my whole body on that one blackberry. Blackberries are amazing. Okay. (laughs) We're in and we're out. Here we go. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's like an impressionist painting. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And this is Willard Bay. Yeah, that's Willard Bay. So, this land, as we're standing on it right here, okay, I'm going to say it is the best land in the state to grow fruit and vegetables vegetables on. Let me tell you why. Last year I didn't I didn't everybody in the whole state froze out. I didn't. Why? Canyon breeze, lake effect, hill sloping down, facing east. Those three factors gave me about 2 degrees warm more warmth. So, this land as far as I can control it will never be put into homes. So anyway, those are pluots. Oh, yeah. It's cross between a plum and an apricot. Mm-hmm. These plums, I know, are about ready to pick. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Drive through. Yeah. Where's the fruit? one's kind oh. of weird looking. Whoa. But, yeah, they need to come pick these today. i got to have them come pick these. Yeah, you'll pick them. These are in good shape. Just look at that. Isn't that pretty? That's gorgeous. Which one do you want? Yeah. I'll take the ugly yeah, one. The spaceship one? Yeah. I like that one. Okay, that plum is so I know. sweet. I know. Gotta get them to come pick them right now. Let me make a call. That's a perfect plum. It really is. Mm-hmm. These are the peaches that made Brigham City famous. They're kind of a yellow peach, mm-hmm. but you can peel them almost with your hand. Wow. And wow. this is a little production plant. We've got dried apples, our syrups we make in there, and oh, yeah. and we do something. And I snow plow in the winter, so oh, as yeah. if I don't have enough to do. Yeah. You're a real renaissance man. Yeah, that's right, man. Anything so I don't have to work for anybody, right? Yeah. Okay, it's time to talk water. And please don't mind the soda machine and occasional announcements, because it turns out Thane's office is in a very unusual location. Thane Taggy, we're sitting in your office, correct? The subway and the Flying J off of I-15. Corner booth. Corner booth. (laughs) You've got a water. I've got a cherry Coke. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Tell me about your farm. We bought the farm in 1997. Got a now total of 85 acres. 
of tree crops. And we're growing a little bit of everything to be diversified. Peaches, cherries, apricots, apples, pears, a lot of peaches, 31 varieties in fact, certified organic blackberries, and da 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 da, garlic and peas. So historically, how much water have you used in a given year? I have source for three water rights, out of Canyon Willard, out of Canyon Perry, and then from Pine View. So I literally have a bunch of acre feet that's available to me in my name that I own. Okay. And I don't know the exact number right off the top of my head, but all I know is I've cut it down to, a th I only use a third of my water rights. Hmm. And how did you get to a point where you were using a third of your water rights? Went to drip irrigation. Everything um, up in Perry and Willard used to be watered through furrow irrigation. The water would run down the side of the tree, erode all the dirt, but it'd get the, keep the tree alive. And when the NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, came in with grants to update technology to put in drip systems, I jumped on the bandwagon and we put those drip systems in one orchard at a time. So I've put in four drip systems and helped a lot of neighbors get theirs into. So everybody that are significant farmers with significant land are, are on drip right now in Perry and Willard. Hmm. How's it impacted your crops, the drip irrigation? Huge, waters the trees instead of the weeds. So how's that, hmm. trees instead of weeds. Yeah. And you guys saw that a little bit. It's putting the water right where the tree needs to be it's all engineered so that they know exactly based upon the gallons per minute based upon how much is putting out that we are watering that tree just exactly what it needs so that the soil is filled with water and that that tree does not stress out uh, one of the things i'm curious about is like some of the barriers to implementing drip irrigation like it sounds like you were one of the first on board what have been the what have like been the hurdles or the difficulties? Really good question. There are barriers depending on your water source. If your water source isn't any good, how are you going to get that water pressurized? And so, if you don't have pressure, you got to have a pump. If you don't, if you have a pump, do you have electricity? Hmm. So those those are some of the things that make it a little difficult. But there's um, all the you know science and engineering's there to to make something work and engineer it. So yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. One of the things you showed me is like you need to have clean, clean, clear, clear water in order for this to work because it needs to be able to push through these tiny little drip holes. So, yeah, if you're not able to get good, clean water or filter it well, then the thing's a bust. Right. It also seems like maybe finances is a barrier. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. You got to put up money up front. And as I understand it, for a lot of farmers, the margins are pretty narrow. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put the money up front. They don't pay until you complete it. So I had to finance oh. it. And then they come out, hmm, Mr. Taggy, that looks pretty good, but you need to change that if you hmm. want to get your money. But I just did it by their plans. They handed me literally a blueprint of everything I needed to do. Are there farmers you know that aren't on drip yet? Oh, yeah. That have been hesitant? Yeah. What are they saying? They are kind of dragging their feet. It's a big step. You got to don't. You got to put in a two or three months of work to figure it all out. Mm, yeah. Some of the old boys aren't doing it, and they're still using all their water up. And I bet they kind of wish they had had it conserved a little bit better right now, like I am. Why is that? The drought. Yeah, the drought. Because yeah. they tell us at the beginning of the year when they're going to turn it on, when they're going to turn it off, and if we get our full allotment, and we have every year. Mm. But that doesn't mean we get it next year. I'm curious about like the decision to move to drip irrigation, the fact that you've used less water, like how much of that is about the economics and how much of that is about like the drought and the need to conserve water? First, it was all economics because we did it way before that this was even an issue. Mm -hmm. When I first came up here, I talked to an old time farmer and said, oh, Ralph, are we ever gonna run out of water? And he laughed at me and he said, we own the first water rights out of Pineview, the first water rights out there so he in his mind thought it would never was an issue but it is now an issue mm. and even though we can use all our water rights they have shortened the schedule a little bit they've cut us off a week earlier and they started us a week later mm. and that's never happened before. trimming the fat yeah they're trimming the fat but they really are conscientious of us orchardists and what we need and what the trees require so we have a say in that a little bit yeah, that's good. 
what happens to the water that you're not using? Okay, you know what? This is a really, really, really good question because I'm not 100% sure. This is what I do know. Out of one ditch, I'm leasing the water to another farmer who really, really needs it. Okay. And because uh, he just doesn't have a lot of water rice and he's running a lot of land and he uses every every drop of it. But the other ditch, I don't know where it goes. I hmm. really don't. I, this is something I'm kind of curious about. I know it's going downstream somewhere because hmm. I'm not using it and yeah. I don't know where it's going or where it's ending up. I'm like, would it go into the Great Salt Lake? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Not I a really, bad end, it's, end place it, it for it. It could be. Even that's okay, probably. Yeah. How do you feel about your farm in relation to the lake and the water you're if using? If I'm filling up that lake, I'm happy as a clam. You know, yeah. I'm hoping some of that water's making it there. And mm-hmm. You're a first-generation farmer. What's your, what's your vision? What's the plan? Okay, I'm going to be really honest here. Please. The first time I bought my 25 acres, I literally platted it for homes the next day. Oh, okay. yeah. How short-sighted was that? So I bought the land, and then slowly over time, so I, we bought the first orchard in 1997, and I finally started realizing that the highest and best use of my land is to keep it in the orchard. And so that, that now has changed my whole perspective on everything. As far as I can control it, and I'm in, there are some things that we're doing to do that, I'm going to keep my land in orchards. It's the highest and best use of, of our property. And... With the supply going down and the demand increasing, it's economics 101 as well, you know, from a business standpoint, to keep it in, to keep it in that. Because if, once you sell the land, you've sold it once. I'm, I'm using the land and I'm doing that over and over and over every year. So it's a continuous um, use of the land as long as I maintain it through drip, through proper, through proper fertilization, through proper care, proper weed control, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. You know, it's going to be a great great machine uh, and viable for many, many years to come. Peach trees only last 25 years, so I'm replanting all the, all the time, putting in about 2,000 trees every year, taking out blocks. you got to stay on top of it. Hmm. just can't walk away. So we're actually going to choose the heirs hmm. of who's going to run that, have them set up, they can make mistakes so they can keep it going, and hopefully provide for them a good income that will keep them interested in doing that. Yeah. So that's kind of the deal. That was a little bit longer than you wanted, but... No. Thane Taggy saying thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And there you go. Do you feel a little warmer now talking about fruit trees and peaches? It brought me back (laughs) to a warmer time, that's for sure. And again, our thanks to Ali Vallarta, host and lead producer Emily Means of CityCast Salt Lake. You can find them online at saltlake.citycast.fm or CityCast Salt Lake on Instagram, Twitter, CityCast SLC. And thank you so much. Allie and M for sharing that trip up to uh, Taggy's famous fruit and vegetable farm. Pretty cool that we can uh, share that kind of conversation. So, Aldine, time to go back into the band room and get another song from our friends. Racist Kramer in the house, Aldine. How's it going, you guys? How's it going over there? You like the new studio? It's real fancy. (laughs) It's beautiful. This is a great room. Try not to break anything. Please. So let's go back to Francis and remind folks what it's all about and what it's for and who. It's all about me. Uh, <laughs> it's all about raising money for the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. Why is that important to you? Uh, well, it hits close to home for us. I mean, uh, f- millions of families are affected by it, and um, it's just always kind of been on our radar. You know, there's, there's people in our lives that have been affected by it and who have also been helped by the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition, so... We just want to let people know that they need resources. And last year, uh, we were able to raise twenty thousand dollars. I think it was what twenty-four, Cheech. Yeah, twenty-four thousand dollars for one game. for their cause. And uh, the sad truth is that I've heard is that money would probably help one family. You yeah. know, just just because it's such a huge problem and it takes a lot to get people in those situations help. So. Mm. You know, it, it is about just seeing our friends and having fun. But the most important thing is trying to get money for that. And we do opportunity drawings from... Thank you for using the phrase correctly. (laughs) Well, and, you know, that's not the most important thing, but I do want to shout out to all the companies that have contributed. Um, Someone, you can can win a trip to Mexico. Liquid Force donated a wakeboard. uh, Public Coffee. There's, There's so many... I should have brought a whole poster. We could just go down the list, but there's so many people that have helped us out with 
with cool donations. And yeah, we, we have a guitar, a day guided fly fishing trip on the Green River, a, gift, a coffee gift basket from Sugarhouse Coffee. I mean, just a ton of cool stuff. So. It is a 21-plus venue, Urban Lounge, 5th East in downtown Salt Lake, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. doors. Who's on the bill with you? Let's see. We got uh, our friends, Pirates of the Promised Land, um, Damn Dirty Vultures, and Fail to Follow, Grayson's other band. And about cop drama. There Grayson's we go. Cop other, drama. Other band. Other, other band. Other band. <laughs> <laughs> and then us. It. We'll be closing out the night and then sending it off. And everyone should be home by midnight or one in the morning. And it's all covers tomorrow? All cover songs. Yep. Every band. Old punk, you know, 90s, early 2000s. Little taste of what you get tonight. Great stuff. Great stuff. So the next one is by Strung Out, the band. And it's the exhumation of Virginia Madison. And this is Racist Kramer, fresh and homegrown, right here at KRCL 90.9 FM. to protect and preserve cultural uses of public lands by tribes. To learn more about their programs, including art, traditional foodways, and cultural sensitivity courses, visit utahdenebikea.org. That's Utah, D-I-N-E-B-I-K-E-Y-A-H dot org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. There are lots of ways to get involved and help out in the community this time of year. If you go to krcl.org, click on Community Affairs, find the Rallies and Resources tab, you will find at the top of that list some uh, charitable drives going on in the community. Help out as you can. And I've got to find the details on one, but I believe it's the first Unitarian Church is doing movie night and allowing folks to come in and get out of the cold. I'll find those details and share it with you before the end of the show. But Aldine, it's time for the Urban Farm Report. Urban Farm Report. We're going to talk about flowers tonight, and Fawn Ruckert is with us. And boy, it's been a minute since I visited your backyard, and and the flower movement has really taken off since then. It, it Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it's grown so much since... We started our organization in 2019. It's just exploded here in Utah. And there's a lot of new farmers, a lot of people that are getting more established. And and, uh, we have an organization now that, that 
tries to support them the best we can, and we're having a conference in January. And this is really exciting. A little while back, you guys did the first, in August, you did the first Utah Flower Day, and that was at Wheeler Farm, and you used their new um, facility there, the Education Center, and you're using it again. You you liked it. You liked it. Wheeler oh, Farm. yeah. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous building, and the Utah Flower Day was amazing. We kind of, it was the first one. We had wanted to do it for years, and... Um, we were kind of blown away by the public support. It was just awesome. Lots of people showed up, and uh, it was great. And the building is great, and we're excited to have the conference there. And you guys were one of the first, you know, this was the first year they opened it last year. And you're putting it to use. Yeah, we're christening <laughs> it for sure. Well, that's that's great, Vaughn. Um, let's go to specifics. It's January 28th. It's 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's at Wheeler Farm at the Education Center. Um, kind of like a, you know, a, a conference where you expect uh, there's some keynote, a keynote speaker. There's, And who is that? We're really excited. We kind of have one to start off the day and one to finish up the mm-hmm. day. And it's Allison Faulkner. She's kind of a, she's written a book called You're Already Awesome. She's this hype girl. She's um, just really enthusiastic, and uh, we're excited to hear from her in the morning. And then at the end of the day, we're going to hear from Danielle Del Army from Rose Story Farm in Carpinteria, California. She's coming out to see us. She's been farming for over 20 years. She's just kind of a legend. So we're really excited to have both of them. So you're bringing some folks in from mm-hmm. out of state. Very cool stuff. Yeah. And then... Um, and then there's a CSA for an expert CSA, and you're in on that one. Yeah, we're having a panel. So we're going to have Paige Westover from Snuck Farm, um, Britton from Cherry Petals uh, Farm, Flower Farm, and um, another uh, vegetable farmer that are going to help us out and, and talk about how to run a, a subscription either with flowers or, or vegetables. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's lunch, and then there's a, some demo. There's a demo going on. Yeah, we have Jessie from White Fox Floral. She's going to demonstrate bridal bouquets, and we're excited about that one. That's going to be really fun to watch. Well, I'm excited for you guys because I've watched you. We've watched you guys, and we've had you guys on, and and you keep you're building and you're building, and now you have conference too. I'm sure you guys are excited. We are so excited for this. It's something we've wanted to do, and with the pandemic, it's kind of like our, like, okay, we can finally stretch our legs a little bit and and do some of these fun things we've wanted to do. Getting getting your hands in the dirt is something that I think people have rediscovered over the course of the pandemic, because what do I got? I got my house, I got my yard, I got my apartment, I got my balcony. Can I grow something? Uh, something to do besides doom scroll, right? So, and you said it's been growing, the the Cut Flower Association. What are you hearing from folks as they try and dip their toe in? Are there any myths that we should bust? You know, because I think of this as my retirement side hustle. I'm going to be a lavender farmer, and it's a lot of work. It is. I think more than anything, people, I teach a course at Snuck Farms for people that want to learn how to grow flowers. And I had a couple of the ladies that took it this year go, I really loved this but I don't want to be a flower farmer. They like, they, they loved it. They realized <laughs> like, wow, this is a lot of work and yeah. it's sweaty. And I, I thought I was going to frolic through the row and just <laughs> pick flowers. And, and they picked a lot of flowers, but it was, they realized that it's a lot of work. So maybe that's the big bust is it's dreamy to mm. a point. And then the, there's yeah. bugs and sweat. But there is opportunity. The, the demand for locally grown slow flowers from consumers is up yes absolutely people are starting to realize that they can get varieties that they couldn't get any other way i mean trader joe's is fine but you know if you if you're already going to the farmer's market to get your vegetables and your locally grown uh, meats and other items flowers should be next on your list absolutely yes yes okay so um how long have you been doing it again this is going to be my seventh season. Uh, so over the course of seven years, and Al, we know what happens to, to uh, seeds over the course of seven years if you keep saving them and growing them. What have you learned that would be fruitful to pass on to folks? Um, I think getting a hold of people that grow, like join, join organizations, come to things like this conference, learn from people that are growing in your area of 
of the special things that you need to do here that might not be in the book that you got from someone that wrote it in Washington or back east? All all crops are area specific as what what you're saying and you know <clears throat> we've learned that through the years and and are you do you save seed too? Do you I do. Do you do? I do. I saved a couple different things, the things that aren't um hybrids basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. some lovage, which is an herb that I like to use in my early bouquets in spring and um Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Maybe some amaranth. I'm trying to remember what else I saved uh-huh, this year. Uh-huh. And uh, I know, you know, we we talk about this as farmers, uh, urban farmers, they lose land. And uh, you've recently lost some land. And is it to development? Well, uh, so I grow in my backyard. It's kind of a suburban farm. That's about 40% of my space. And then down the street, I have a neighbor with a double lot. And um, we call it the sister site. There's two sisters in their 70s that live there. And uh, we had this great um, win-win situation where I got to grow on their land and they got to look at flowers and they didn't have to worry about maintaining their double lot. They just frolicked. I remember. Yes, they, they got to frolic. Um, but they've had some changes in their health. And um, <clears throat> sorry, I just love these ladies so much. And um, they're selling so I was helping them move out today, actually. So like they're they're moving into a, a better situation for them. So I'm happy for them. But it means that whoever buys the house might not let me grow there. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is just a the cost of land is so high yeah. that it's really hard to justify buying land to grow flowers because our margins or vegetables, our margins just aren't. You know, they're not there. Yeah. You're more down in the South Valley, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so we can put a shout out to folks who maybe have a piece of land where they want to see some beautiful flowers growing. Yeah. And we can hook Fawn up with them somehow in our show notes. Laura can probably do something like that. There's links already. I have draft up right now at krcl.org. It's on the homepage, but under Community Affairs, click on Radioactive, all the notes for the flower conference, but also to get in touch with Fawn at Seagull Lily Flower Farm. Thank you. Fun, your cut flower director. That's quite a title. And at Snuck Farm, nonetheless. Yes. Which is a very amazing spot. If no one's ever been there, just explain the spot a little bit. Okay, so Snuck Farm is in Pleasant Grove, and this is separate from my farm at Sega Lily in South Jordan. But it is just a gem. It is um, kind of on a historic piece of land. Paige has cultivated it. It was her family's property. And she has started a hydroponic farm. And I think they've been going for like nine years. Wow. It's just beautiful. And the sense of community there is amazing, too. It's a beautiful. The barn there is amazing. And then the greenhouses are just amazing there. It's what a great spot. Yeah. What does a flower director do at Snuff Farm? So I help run workshops. I teach the course there that starts in April and goes through October. And so we have 20 spots for people, about a quarter of them are already taken. So if people want to come and join us and grow next summer, flowers all all summer, um, we do that. And then I also also grow cut flower starts for backyard growers and farmers that might not have the space to start all their own starts on their own. So we offer cut flower seedlings. So there's specific varieties that are bred four cut flowers and um, I've kind of curated the collection so it's things that do well here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Flowers, uh, Flower farmers are some of the first seed planters, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Because some of the flowers take a very long time. Uh, you guys are probably, you're gearing up now already, aren't you? Yeah, we planted our first seeds for this next season on December 1st. You did, didn't yeah. you? I knew it. So we've been growing some seedlings already. And what are those? Those are called Lysianthus. Lysianthus, and I, I kind of knew that because I know you guys are really get really excited about those. Oh, we love them. Yeah. <laughs> They're so gorgeous. You should Google them if you haven't seen them. They are gorgeous. And I'm just trying to think because I, I, you were, you were perusing my whole seed catalog before we came <laughs> on the market. And there are so many gorgeous things to grow in the latest Baker seed catalog, Baker Creek. 
but I overindulge myself. So can you give us some advice if I'm going to grow, try and grow a few flowers in my garden? You know, should I keep it to one or two, not 10? I mean, how, how should I think about this as um, not sugar plum fairies dancing in my head, but <laughs> seeds and next year's growing season dances right. in my head? Well, I would think about when you're going to be home. So lots of people travel during the summer. So are you going to be home to harvest in July or do you want your crop to kind of come on in August or September and kind of plant it that way? There you go. Um, gosh, I have some blogs. Actually, on my blog, I've got a couple articles about like if you're starting with cut flowers, I would kind of hit those. I've got ones to start that are cool season, kind of like when you plant your lettuce and your peas. They like Ooh. it cold. There's flowers like that. too. There are. Yeah, mm-hmm. like okay. snapdragons, um, that calendula, things definitely. like that. So I have an article about that on my blog with cool my top five cool season flowers to start with. And then I have a warm season um, group of five that are good. Good beginner, like kind of easy, put your toe in the water, uh-huh. see how it goes. And they do well in this environment because, you know... I like that, that I could plant some and some lettuce at the same time and get a little bit of a growing season before the temperatures go 100 on us, right? Right, yeah. Where are folks going to find your blog? So I have a website. It's sagolilyflowerfarm.com. And um, I think I've got a tab that says grow with us and ah. you can find blog right yes. there. I am totally going there because I want to know what the cold <laughs> weather ones are. Yeah, those are some of my favorites, the cold weather ones. Very cool. Some flowers are actually hardy before they before they get the the bloom. Be, they're mm-hmm. they can survive here in yeah. our wonderful spring and crazy weather we have here in Utah. Yeah, in fact, they need it. If we plant it out after Mother's Day, they might not get as tall. They won't be as robust. They like a little cool weather to sink their roots into the soil and get established. You know, we visited Heather up in Cache Valley, and she's in a really cool spot up there. Yes. And she was growing so many different flowers. So I, and I saw it, right, you know, what you're talking about. We saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's it's always great to have you guys. Uh, let's go back and talk a little bit about the... Can I get one more question? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Do, are all cut flowers supposed to be tall? Or are there some <laughs> flowers that don't grow that tall that are still worth growing and are showy and fantastic? Yes. <laughs> but, um, the simple answer is yes. Yes, there are things. Like there's people that grow pansies yeah. for cut flowers, and they're only going to get 8 to 12 inches tall. Yeah. You know. But um, if there's a variety, like if you love snapdragons and you're used to getting the little ones at Home Depot, chances are there's nice tall ones mm. that you can get if you get the right variety. And that's actually what we focus on at Snuck Flowers at the Snuck variety. Farm. The is varietal? the ones that get nice and tall nice and, legs. and last a long time in the vase. There you go. Excellent. So let's remind folks about the Flower Conference. Yes. January 28th. January 28th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you're a member of the Utah Cut Flower Farm Association, you can get it, your tickets for 70% off. So if you're not a member, it might be worth joining so that you can get that discount. And then you have access to all our, we do um, Zooms, educational Zooms almost every month of the year. We have lots of farm tours and other events. Excellent. So what is the website where folks can sign up? Uh, UtahFlowerFarms.com. And then where can folks find you, Fawn? Because you, I know you're out at the daybreak. I'm at the Daybreak Farmer's Market, and then I have a subscription, a bouquet subscription, also known as a CSA or Community Supported Agriculture. Um, And so I do that. I have one from April to June and then another one from August to September. You know, one of the things that I want to ask last minute, because I just keep thinking of more questions, Al. We talk a lot about soil when it comes to our vegetable gardens. What about the soil amendments for our flower gardens? Are they similar? Definitely. Um, I would always recommend testing your soil before Mm -hmm. you add things willy-nilly because our our soils are pretty rich. Like I have very high potassium and phosphorus, and if I added things, I could potentially do some problems. So You could add more, and that would fry it, right? Yes. You don't want to fry your flowers. Yeah. Well, what is the website for Sago Lily Farms? It's sagolilyflowerfarm.com. And then the website for the Flower Association? utahflowerfarms.com and we'll put them all in the show notes Al 
Yeah. So good to see you. Thanks for coming down and spending your evening with us here for the Urban Farm Report with Aldine and me. Thanks so much for having us. It was fun. Do you want to look at my seed catalog a little bit more? Oh, yes. On the way out? <laughs> So fantastic. We got some more music to go out with. In fact, I think we're going to have time for Racist Kramer to play one of their own. But Al, this is our last live show, and we're starting to gear up for bands for January. Also, Urban Farmers and things related to that for the show. How can people get in touch? You can find me on Instagram, Punk Rock Farmer, uh, underscores between the words. And then uh, I'm at um, punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com. Excellent. I want to say thank you again to Rowan Stigner from Audio In for doing sound engineer this evening while Sully's out of town. The band approves. Also, Darian Eastman, his audio intern, who is helping with us uh, this evening as well. So, Racist Kramer has Friends Miss Eve uh, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Urban Lounge, a benefit for the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. But I think I also saw that you guys have a gig at the end of the year, like December 30th. That's right. So, tell us about that one. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) We're playing with the Bouncing Souls. Oh, that's cool. It's going to be awesome. It's at the depot. Tickets are on sale. They expect it to sell out. Last I heard, there's a couple hundred more tickets left is all. Okay. And uh, our friends Wicked Bears and The Anchorage, a couple other locals, they're great guys, friends of ours. They'll be joining us as well. So if you, uh, if we can, we'll do uh, some, some ticket giveaways tomorrow at Friendsmas as well. Excellent. So folks. Put you on the list if you win. Friends Miss Eve, a punk rock Christmas and benefit for Utah Domestic Violence Coalition tomorrow at Urban Lounge. It's 21 plus. It is a benefit. Come to be generous, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, actually, one thing I wanted to mention about that, I'm going to, brevity is not my strong suit, so I'm going to do my (laughs) best here, but um, I I remember if it was the last event or a couple of years ago, but one of the UDVC employees that came down to help us at our event mentioned that so much of their income is grant-based and it's all earmarked for really specific purposes. So the money that we raise at this event, um, they have a little more discretion. So if they have emergency things pop up or they, yeah. you know, they run out of money for lawyers or whatever, they can plug this in as needed. And so it's, it's really helpful for them. So even if you can't come to the event, which we'd love to see you there, um, you can go to their website and donate directly there. And it's really going to positively and directly impact the lives of a lot of people here in Utah. Oh, and Al, I just remembered that I promised to share some details of another event going on. It's really cold, right? Um, So our friends at First United Methodist Church of Salt Lake City are doing overnight movie night tonight and tomorrow, 203 South, 200 East for folks that need to come in from out of the cold. It's open from 8 p.m. And uh, folks can come in and watch the movies until 8 a.m., so you can get out of the cold. Again, that's First United Methodist Church, 203 South, 200 East, in partnership with Unsheltered Utah, Nomad Alliance, Coconut Hut, and our unsheltered relatives. So that's another, if folks are in need, please pass the word. In the meantime, Al, what are we going out with? And uh, maybe a second song all the way up to seven? Yeah. Okay. So we have Racist Kramer right here in the studio, and they're going to perform American Jesus by Bad Religion, Fresh and Homegrown, KRCL, 90.9 FM.
Thank you. KRCL, Salt Lake City.